Welcome to the Person and the Power podcast with Pastor Tim Johnson, as he invites us to cultivate a deep and profound relationship with the Holy Spirit of the living and loving God. After 25 years of ministry, Pastor Tim's desire is that all of us would experience both the Spirit's transformational intimacy and the supernatural activity in our daily lives. Now, here's Pastor Tim. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. I like to cover all my bases. Hey, it is afternoon for me. I am sitting outside for a couple of reasons. We'll talk about one of those here in just a few minutes. But one of those reasons is it's beautiful. It's just absolutely gorgeous. It is the middle of November, and I am in shorts and a t-shirt sitting out soaking up the sun. It is just incredible. Incredible day. I hope and pray wherever you are listening to this, that you are blessed, hopefully by the weather. But if not, blessed by the God who is good in all weather. So we appreciate you always, always for tuning in. And uh, I'm excited. This is a good one. I, I think they're, I hope, hopefully they're all good. Uh, I say that obviously with all humility, meaning they all point to God and they all have something that uh, hopefully you can glean from and learn from and, and really grow from. But this one's going to be, I think, a lot of fun. And uh, so, yeah, we're taking the slow trek through Genesis. And I know no one is surprised at that, right? No one's surprised uh, if you know me at all. Uh, if you don't know me, then you're getting to know me. I love the book of Genesis. absolutely love the book of Genesis. And we are in an Old Testament uh, series called Finding the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, in the sacred pages of the Old Testament. So, uh, and we started with Genesis and we're all the way up to Genesis. <laughs> so, hey, I appreciate you. And uh, I'm going to pray here in just a second. A couple of thoughts. Uh, the book, The Person and the Power of uh, The Person and the Power devotional, every uh, 52 week devotional through the book of Acts, helping us cultivate a profound, a deep and profound relationship with the Holy Spirit, uh, intimacy, and then also helping us experience the activity, the supernatural activity, the power of the Holy Spirit. So person and power, 52-week devotional, seven-day-a-week Bible study. Uh, Every week will be accompanied with a seven-minute video that I'll share to really dive us a little deeper into the devotional thought of the week. And then it will be your privilege to dive into it uh, with the daily Bible study. So uh, that book will be ready for order here in just a couple of weeks, I think. So by the end of November, very first uh, of December, we, that's, our, that's our target uh, date for uh, being able to be ordered. And we'll have some, I think we're going to order some here at the church so we can have some to purchase here. And, um, so I'm excited for that. It's, it's humbling. I just want a, I just felt led by the Lord to, to write a book to help us spend a year in the book of Acts, uh, just cultivating a, a love for the word, yes, a deeper understanding of the early church, but ultimately a deep and profound relationship with the very one who lives within us, the third person of the Holy Trinity. So uh, I'm excited for it, humbled, and uh, thank you for supporting that and, and praying about that. We really did want it to come out right around Christmas time so that you could purchase it for Christmas presents yourself, uh, for yourself, or for those uh, on your list, family and friends, and they could have it in their hands as they start the year 2024 with a devotional. I know for me and for many, we like to have a devotional in hand 
by the 1st of January so that we can start our devotional life well. And uh, it'll also be on Kindle, so we, you'll have the access to, to that as well. So anyway, that's, I think that's it for the infomercials. We're going to get going with the revelation. Let's pray. Lord, I love you so much. I thank you so much for this beautiful day. Gorgeous, incredible day that you've blessed, I know, me with and those here in this area. But I pray that wherever uh, people are listening to this to this podcast, they are encouraged, they are blessed, they are inspired all by your spirit and all through your word. And just um, in, in invite you, Lord, to, to guide and lead and direct us here as um, we jump into your word. I, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be fun and, and, and exciting and and even exhilarating. I'd use that word. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. We we love you, Lord. We thank you for the just the hiddenness that's in the word. Yes, uh, lots of things have been revealed, but we um, wow. There's some things that we still continue, right? I mean, we just we dig and we dig and we dig and and we search and we search and we search and we find and we find and we find. So um, you will be found for those who seek after you with all of their heart. So we, uh, we put all of our heart into this here uh, today as we listen and as we glean, as we learn. We thank you, we praise you, and uh, we trust you. In Jesus, your mighty and holy name, be glorified. Amen and amen. All right, so like I said, I'm outside. So uh, I told you there, there's a second reason for why I'm outside. Uh, a, it's beautiful, and if you hear a little bit of wind here and there, uh, just, uh, just act like that it's 74 degrees wherever you are, and the sun is, is beaming down on you, okay? But there's another reason, because uh, now I don't know if you'll hear it in the background uh, or hear them in the background, and I'm looking around. I don't, I don't see them at this moment. They were all around this morning and, and all around just not even very long ago. Um, there's a lot of birds, and, and not just any birds, a lot of birds, a lot of different birds, but there were crows. Uh, now, crows and ravens are different, but they are similar, but they are different. And they sound similar in many ways, but crows, uh, there were many crows and I don't see them now. So maybe just maybe at the right moment, God may send a crow and you'll hear a call in the background. So we'll see how that works. All right. So let's go to Genesis 8. This is going to be so fun. Genesis 8. Um, I learned this years ago. I think, and, and I hate to say this, but I probably didn't appreciate it as much as I do now in, in my love and understanding of the Spirit of God now and the Holy Spirit and the person who lives within us and um, the, the triune God and this thirst now that I have to make sure other people know who lives within them and, and, and just really helping other people uh, just, again, cultivate this relationship with the third person. I, I so desire, so long for... Um, people to, to have this intimate relationship. And so I have come with a, a deeper appreciation of, of, of what we're about to talk about today. So, but, um, but let's start with, I'm just going to read a couple of passages. We'll stop and then we'll just keep on going. So uh, Genesis 8, you know that, uh, again, this is the series, Finding the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. We don't have to go very far. We've, we've, been, in, uh, we've been doing this for almost a month, right? Three weeks a month, and, and we're all the way to Genesis 8. <laughs> so Genesis 8 starts with this, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and livestock within the boat, within, with him in the boat. He sent a wind, verse 1, he sent a wind 
to blow across the earth and the floodwaters began to recede. We won't go much further uh, at this point. Uh, anybody want to guess? Anybody want to guess? If you were, if you've been listening to the um, podcast uh, since at least the last two or three weeks with this series, uh, starting in Genesis one verse two, we we've been talking about this word, this Hebrew word. Anybody? 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 Ruach, Ruach. It's spelled R-U-A-C-H. It's a hard C-H. It's almost like a cough K. Ruach, and 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 it's it's it means spirit. It means wind. There it is exactly. Verse one, chapter chapter eight, verse one. He God remembered. He God sent Ruach. Come on. Now, if you want to get real fancy and impress your friends, uh, I'm not the greatest at pronunciating words, especially Greek and Hebrew. But uh, one of the things I learned in, in seminary, Ruach HaKadosh, Ruach HaKadosh, uh, it means Spirit the Holy, or it would be translated Holy Spirit, Ruach HaKadosh. And so uh, this word is Ruach. So he sends a wind or the Spirit or the breath of God to blow across the earth, and the flood the floodwaters began to recede. Goodness gracious, we could read a lot into this. We've got a lot to cover here in this very um, incredible chapter. Um, but I want to just encourage you that if you feel as if you're covered over by floodwaters of grief, of, of, of fear, of, of trouble, of affliction, of loneliness, what, uh, whatever the floodwaters might be, I just would invite you to to pray, God, would you send your Ruach, would you send your spirit, would you send your breath to uh, blow across the floodwaters so that they would begin to recede? Uh, And and that's my prayer for you, wherever you are right now. If that's you right now, I just really do pray that that, that the the Spirit of God, and, and so here we see, we see the Spirit of God hovering in the very, very, very beginning of the creation story, the creation narrative, right? Uh, Genesis 1-2. Now here again, we see the, the Spirit of God very, very active in moving. So, so you know, we know that in Genesis 6, everything, all thoughts, all intentions of every heart were, were, were totally evil. So all, see, listen to those all-inclusive words, right? Every thought of every heart it was totally evil. So, so it was just so God sent judgment upon the earth with with the flood. So we see all of the details of the flood in Genesis six and seven. But here in Genesis eight, God is now sending redemption. He's sending His Spirit to blow back the floodwaters because there's redemption. Just talking with this week with a precious, precious man about redemption. God's always redeeming things. Uh, yes, the framework is broken. Amen. Uh, Genesis one, Genesis two sets up the framework for our um, uh, for uh, Christian living and and for perfection, and even the framework for what is to come when Jesus returns. The perfect, the perfection of the garden, the perfect union of with the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the 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 love, the 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 no shame, no sin. Genesis 1 and 2 set that framework up. Well, we know in Genesis 3 the framework was broken. So, but but praise be to God, God is a redeemer, right? He redeems broken things within the broken framework. And this is what he can do. He can blow the floodwaters away. He can. And, and I just pray that that's what happens for you today if you need some floodwaters being blown away. All right. So that's the first place we see uh, the, the wind and now uh, the, and Ruach. Now, uh, that's, that's the only place we see in this chapter 
Ruach. Okay, we don't see Ruach um, uh, anywhere else uh, in, in chapter 8. But, oh my goodness, do we uh, see possibly the work of the Holy Spirit. So we'll continue here. Okay, verse 2. The underground waters stopped flowing and the torrential rains from the sky were stopped. So the floodwaters gradually receded from the earth. After 150 days, exactly five months from the time the flood began, the boat came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. Two and a half months later, as the waters continued to go down, other mountain peaks became visible. So uh, this is where we believe Mount Ararat uh, in, in Turkey, uh, modern-day Turkey. We believe that the, the, the ark landed there. Um, and so all, there's been explorations over there. It's been kind of fun to, to watch uh, folks go over there, Christ, Christian and non-Christians, try to go and see if they would somehow find uh, the remnants of the ark. And as far as you know, we know, there hasn't been anything found, but we don't need to have the evidence of that, do we? Uh, we, we just have faith that and we read this. So, all right. So here's, the, here's where it gets interesting and I think a lot of fun uh, with, with, uh, with, with, well, with birds, all right, with birds, all right. So let's look at verse six. After another 40 days, Noah opened the window he had made in the boat, verse 7, and released a raven. The bird flew back and forth until the floodwaters of the earth had dried up. So, raven. Um, this, again, this is different than a crow, but it's a, it's a large bird. It's kind of like almost the size of an eagle, uh, or a, a hawk, I'm sorry, a hawk. So, uh, crows are uh, bigger birds as well, but, but this is, this is a, a, a bigger bird even than the uh, uh, than than uh, than uh, uh, than a crow. So a raven and ravens were unclean. Ravens were were unclean animals, um, and uh, they just they they were and uh, and for a lot of different reasons. Um, but remember, um, when God ordered the animals to come in two by two, guess what? They were both clean and unclean. You remember that, right? So they were clean and unclean, and it's going to be important that they they were paired up. Uh, so they were they were uh, there was male and female, as God brought them in. All right. So again, uh, a raven uh, is unclean, and it's interesting. I think it's really important to understand. There's a lot of things that we aren't going to cover every little thing today, but I just I just I just find this to be fascinating, um, especially in in in, in this. Um, and again, I heard this years ago as I studied, and, and, and I didn't really come to appreciate it deeply until just recently uh, with a really deeper understanding of, of, again, the Holy Spirit in my life. And, and uh, so, but a, a raven is, uh, again, an unclean bird. Again, it's going to be important to understand it, it's, uh, it had a partner, okay, just like the dove had a partner. But uh, uh, the, the raven, uh, in, in, even in medieval times, represented... Uh, curse represented um, death. Represented uh, actually, even uh, as you do some study, represented filth. Uh, the raven is a, a wild bird. It's a bird of prey. Okay, um, it's a selfish bird. Now that's important um, uh, because it doesn't. It, it, it's all. It doesn't. Fidelity is not a part of its lifestyle. Unlike another bird we're going to see. Right. Um, and this is going to be really important. So this is all we know about the raven, really, uh, in, in, verse, uh, in verse 7. The bird flew back and forth until the floodwaters on the earth had dried up. So there's a little mystery here. We don't know the whole story. Um, but this raven is obviously a carrion bird, meaning it, it, it picks up from 
Well, it, it's okay landing on dead things. Now listen to that. A raven is okay landing on dead things. A, a raven is, is uh, uh, again, comfortable. Let me just say that. Comfortable amid rot and decaying animals. So the raven did not need a tree. Uh, the, the raven did not need even a mountain cliff uh, to land on. The raven simply landed on, could have, in fact, very likely. Now, it doesn't say that, but we know the nature of ravens. And we know the right nature of, uh, uh, again, the scavenger that feeds on carcasses. And, and we know that, uh, obviously, they're, uh, after such a period of time, uh, where there's still dead carcasses floating around after so many hundreds of days, uh, uh, there, we just know there had to be. Um, and and from some of the fish, even. Uh, probably died, and and some obviously the 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 uh, the birds that were not taken had you couldn't they, they couldn't fly forever, and they stopped flying and and landed in the waters at some point, and and of course all the other animals, huge animals and carcasses, and and so all these things could have been still at some point in time floating, and a raven. Now, interesting. Look at this. This is what I find to be most interesting. We don't understand. We don't. There's not a whole lot of. We just don't know all the information, but. Uh, the underground water stopped flowing, right? Flood waters the sea. And so then he releases the raven. And look what it says in verse 7. He released the raven. The, the bird flew back and forth. You look at the Hebrew of this, guys. And it says the, the, the raven went to and fro, to and fro. Really interesting here. If you compare the word, the phrase to and fro to the word hover in um uh, in, in Genesis 1-2, the very first place we see the spirit, the ruach, right? Hovering is not going to and fro as much as it's landing, it's lighting. And, and as it goes, as it lands, lightly, gently, as it lands, it, it, it fertilizes, it, it brings life. There's no death involved in the ruach. Listen, there's no death involved in the ruach. There's death involved here in the raven. Ravens feed on dead things, and ravens are okay landing on dead things, okay? Understand this. This is what I think is most fascinating in this passage. You go all the way, all the way to 1 Peter 5, verse 8, and you hear this from the, from the apostle Peter, from, from, uh, from Peter himself. He says to the church uh, under persecution, he says, be alert, be of sober mind. For your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Anybody want to guess? Anybody want to take a stab at this? Anyone, anybody want to take a, just a guess of the Greek definition, the Greek translation of prowls around? Goes from to to fro, goes to and fro, wanders around to and fro. It is almost the same construct, the same grammatical construct that you find here in Genesis 8, verse 7 of the raven. So, so again, I'm not trying to give ravens a, 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 a bad rep here. I'm not trying to give them, a, try, I'm not trying to uh, hate on ravens. But interestingly enough, ravens have this already, their reputation of, its, of themselves, had, they had this image. And then here we see very, very early in, in creation where ravens are sent out. And again, we don't know much more about that except how symbolic it was that a raven would be willing to land 
on, on dead things because we know what happened next. Listen what happened next. So uh, verse 8, he also released a dove to see if the water had receded and it could find dry ground. But the dove could find no place to land because the water still covered the ground. So again, they apparently were released at the same time or very close to the same time. Verse 7, verse 8. Verse 8 says he also released the dove. So could be in that around the same time. Uh, now again, remember, we don't see anything about the raven coming back. Now, we think the raven didn't come back. Why? Because the raven isn't fidelity. The ra for, for the raven, fidelity isn't important. But you know what? About, well, you know what? You know, a couple of things about doves. Doves are gentle creatures. Gentle, like hmm, the Holy Spirit. Faithful to its partner till death. Did you know that? Doves mated, mate with one partner until death. Uh, uh, this bird does not, uh, is not attracted to dead things. In fact, the dove will not, is not a carrion. Uh, the bird is not a, a bird of prey. Dove is not a bird of prey. The dove is a gentle bird um, eating greens and seeds. Okay? And, and the dove represents peace. Right? And, and you'll see this here in just a second. So, uh, he also released the dove to see if the water had receded. It could find no dry ground. But the dove could find no place to land. It returned to the boat, okay? And, G and Noah held out his hand and drew the dove back inside. After waiting another seven days, Noah released the dove again. That's the second time, by the way. This time, the dove returned to him in the evening with a fresh olive leaf in its beak. You all know what olive leaves represent, right? Olive leaves represent all kinds of things. And, and, and when you read through the Torah, it, the, the olive leaves represent healing. Uh, olive leaves represent peace. Uh, the olive leaves represent uh, life. Uh, it, incredible. Uh, there's just over and over and over what, what, what the olive leaves represent. Okay? Uh, but then, and so then Noah knew that the floodwaters were almost gone. Verse 11. Verse 12, he waited another seven days and then released the dove again. Are you keeping count? Anybody keeping count? How many times did he release the dove? Anybody? 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 Can anybody say shalosh? <laughs> Three times. Uh, it's interesting as I'm doing the research for this and, and really trying to dig in. Um, uh, I read through a, 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 a Jewish author who um, was reading, actually uh, doing some study on this from the Torah. Uh, he said this. Uh, I'm going to read it. Uh, pretty cool. Um, so, uh, now, where the raven was sent out once, the dove was sent out three times. Although I, as a Jewish man, do not agree with their interpretation, Christians point out that the dove being sent out three times is a reflection of the triune nature of God that has been imprinted and thread into all of mankind. That point aside, there is no doubt, however, that the number three does hold significance in the scriptures to God. For example, Noah had three sons. Yahshua himself was raised on the third day. So apparently this is a Messianic Jew. And the Ark of the Covenant contained three sacred objects. And there are many, many other examples. So he, he doesn't necessarily, this writer doesn't necessarily believe that this is uh, a shalosh. I think it's a, absolutely a shalosh. I'm going to say amen and amen. This is a shalosh. But I just find this to be fascinating. Don't you? That here's this, this, this dove that goes out, a clean bird versus uh, a, a, a bird that, uh, I want to say a dirty bird, an uh, unclean bird. Uh, and, and, and here's this dove, which is such a symbol of, of the Holy Spirit. And, and this dove goes out the first time, cannot find any place to land, and comes back. So let's just wrap this up. Let's make sure, right? So ravens land on dead, dead things. The dove's not going to land on, the, on anything dead. 
Make sure that the Holy Spirit has a place to land in your life. Make sure you allow the Holy Spirit to land in your life. Make sure you give Him room and place and space to land in your life. Second, uh, the next time uh, it goes and returns back with a fresh olive leaf in its beak and, and he comes back with, with peace. And, and I pray for that peace in your life. I pray that you allow the Holy Spirit to bring peace into your life. Uh, healing, olive oil, uh, big for, uh, uh, for uh, olive oil used for li- lighting a lamp and burning for a long period of time. Bring fire, bring the, uh, bring the very essence of, of, of fire in your life. I pray that the Holy Spirit, you allow the Holy Spirit to, to come into your life with a fresh olive leaf, if you will. And then uh, that last time uh, he releases the dove again, but this time it did not come back. Why? Because it, it was making a home for its partner. I, I believe with all my heart it was making a home for its partner. It didn't, it, and I believe at some point, you don't know this kind of extra biblical, but I got to believe at some point as the waters are reciting and now the, the ark is resting on the mountaintop, um, the partner flies away as well, joins the, the partner and, and makes its home. Will you allow the dove of God? Will you allow the, the, the Holy Spirit of God, the, the Ruach HaKadosh, will you allow Him to truly make His home in you? Will you allow that? I pray you do. Um, jump into uh, Genesis 8 and read it for yourself and have some fun with it. Uh, ravens and doves, uh, good stuff. And uh, just let, let the Holy Spirit continue to fill you with all of, of what he wants to fill you with. Amen. All right, be blessed. Keep looking for those examples of Shalosh, and we will talk with you later. Pastor Tim is the co-founder and teaching director of the Joshua Center, a leadership training ministry which provides deep biblical roots to great movements of God. He's also the senior pastor of Firmers Chapel, a country church by a creek, reaching 13 countries on four different continents for Jesus and his kingdom. Join us next time as we grow deeper in the person and the power.